Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. Today, we are speaking with Ali Reza Ranema from Seven Gate Ventures. Welcome, Ali Reza. Great to have you on the show. Very happy to be on the show. Thank you for having me on. Well, let's start by getting you acquainted with our audience. Tell us about you. Tell us about Seven Gate Ventures. What kind of uh, you know, investment strategy are you following? Uh, happy to help and happy to shed some light on what we do. Um, I'm excited to uh, talk to you about Seven Gate Ventures. And before I do, maybe a little bit of background about myself. Um, I, uh, my background uh, academically has been in sciences. I have a master's in uh, physics uh, from uh, McGill University in Montreal. Uh, my work is kind of taking me all over the world. Um, I've had uh, almost seven to eight years of experience working at Nortel Networks uh, back in early 2000s before uh, all the telecom uh, events happened. And uh, uh, my uh, <coughs> work background has mostly been in technology. Um, I, after working at Nortel, I went back to my home country of Iran after being away for almost 10 years. And uh, we, we with the, along with my partner, we were behind uh, the first e-commerce site in the, in the nation, uh, leading to one of the largest technology companies with backing um, of, uh, from the main telecom provider. And you know, cut to 10 years later, we had the, the largest um, software as a service platform in Iran with uh, partnerships from MTN, uh, the South African telecom provider. And that success led us to venture investing in the region, generally in the Middle East. And um, uh, we, um, we turned our first investments into the largest VC um, in the country. Uh, that success allowed us to um, look at other opportunities globally and um, almost seven years ago, both, both myself and my partner left the country. Um, I have since been living in the States. Uh, my partner has been living in Vancouver, Canada, and we have been deploying our own capital to start Seven Gate Ventures. So Seven Gate Ventures is, uh, init initially had started as a uh, family office slash micro VC fund. We had uh, deployed around $2 million worth of capital uh, in the uh, startup ecosystem, mostly focused on Vancouver, uh, Canada, as the some investments in um, Silicon Valley. But uh, the main focus of the fund is to um, identify early stage companies um, from um, entrepreneurs that we identify as um, people that we can work with. We like to think ourselves as entrepreneur friendly. Um, founder-friendly and uh, allowing us to add value to the early stage uh, startups that we invest in. And you know, uh, to this stage, we have 22 companies in our portfolio, um, with 75% of them being uh, Canadian startups, and the other 25% located in Silicon Valley. The overall strategy of the fund, or the um, thesis, if you would like to call it that, has been to identify um, talent and entrepreneurs that uh, we think are geared towards 
growing their company and investing them early, uh, being generally the first check in the company, and uh, helping them grow and reach those KPIs and uh, milestones that make them investable for a later stage and a growth stage, and leveraging the network that we have built in the Valley to help them raise their Series A rounds or later stage rounds um, at higher valuations. And we tend to invest alongside them, double down on the successes that we've had um, at that stage. So far, we've had three successful exits in the fund that has allowed us to um, keep going. And so we're very happy about that. There are um, some companies that we are super excited about in the portfolio that are um, actively raising and we're helping them raise in the, uh, in the, in the uh, Silicon Valley ecosystem. And uh, this will be, uh, the feedback has been tremendous. Uh, our so, uh, let me uh, double click down on a few points that you've made. So let's uh, first talk about geography. Um, you talked about Middle East, but the fund that you're uh, investing right now is focused primarily on the Canadian ecosystem, specifically Vancouver, with a little bit more of West Coast United States spin. Is that an accurate assessment? That's right, yes. We, uh, our, uh, we have two offices, one office in Vancouver, which is a larger office, and another office in San Francisco. Our office in Vancouver is around 5,000 square feet. We have leveraged a strong relationship with the University of British Columbia here in Vancouver um, mm -hmm. to identify those uh, technical founders or, or, or uh, graduates that are coming out of the computer uh, uh, science department and electrical engineering department out of UBC and Simon, Simon Fraser University, which is another um, highly reputable university in Vancouver, and um, invest early in them, helping them um, grow and, we, like I said, uh, reach a stage where they could potentially raise, raise their next round in the Valley. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, in the past year, we have started to look at the, uh, what, what's known as the University of Waterloo and Toronto Corridor, um, which has clearly a great pool of talent, technical talent, that are coming out of there with entrepreneurial aspirations. And, um, and we think there, there are opportunities there, and with the, uh, with the connections that we have in Silicon Valley and in the industry in general, uh, we try to add value um, and uh, build our business from there. Okay. So um, on that geography topic, I would like to ask you a question about uh, what's happening from an immigration point of view in Canada and in you know Vancouver in particular, given the, mm -hmm. the friction that is happening right now mm -hmm. in America uh, around immigration. Are you seeing a big influx of talented uh, engineering, um, you know, it's, engineers it's as well as entrepreneurs from places uh, like sure, India and so forth? I, I must say this has um, um, vindicated our, our, our thesis for seven days in the past couple of years. We, um, we see there that, you know, um, the, even founders with the background that we've had have been dissuaded from uh, going the route of a U.S. immigration and going through the H-1B or, or even uh, connecting to Stanford University, which has generally been a, a, a a hub or a magnet for top talent from the Middle East specifically. Um, and that uh, ecosystem is very, very somewhat similar, I must say, 
the ecosystem in Vancouver. So we see a lot of these talented graduates from uh, technical universities in the Middle East looking at um, um, uh, Vancouver as an alternative to uh, to the states, given the, uh, the political climate. They feel they're the the have. I mean, some of them have felt the the the, the, the travel ban very personally and very directly, and have um, uh, opted to uh, look at Canada specifically. Uh, in Vancouver to as an alternative and you know more and more we see this and this has been sort of the focus of the fund is to um, promote the diversity in the uh, entrepreneurial uh, ecosystem and we back uh, a significant portion of our founders uh, uh, our first generation uh, immigrants um, that are again you know very technical uh, highly educated and highly motivated who find um, migrating to the states somewhat more difficult um, and if, if, if you allow and me, does Canada make it easy for uh, founders to start a company is there any specific visa track that uh, entrepreneurs can get on because it's really a nightmare in the US to do that it, it, they really do they really do apart from um, <clears throat> the uh, uh, the immigration route uh, once they get here there are um, various governments, uh, federal as those provincial incentives to, um, to provide capital to uh, technical uh, um, technology-based startups, as well as um, incentives for investors. I mean, even if you are an angel investor in in Canada, you get um, uh, different forms of tax benefits when you invest in a um, in a technical um, technology-based uh, startup. So. We we uh, we have basically promoted ourselves as one of the um, uh, vehicles that helps um, the founders a great deal in tracking these uh, various incentives and um, uh, grants that uh, that are available, which you know uh, to be fair do require some um, red tape and it is uh, somewhat complicated. But you know we have been uh, successful in. Uh, getting the getting that those to the hands of the founders be back and uh, and uh, giving them an, a, a somewhat of a head start uh, when it comes to fundraising as well as investing alongside them. And what are you discovering in your in your interfacing with Silicon Valley? Um, are Silicon Valley investors uh, taking a particular interest in Vancouver because of the visa situation? Honestly, I think uh, there is so much activity going on in Silicon Valley, and there is such a glut of capital um, uh, available to these founders. Uh, you know, I know that there's some talk of, um, of an exodus from Silicon Valley, given the high cost of living for entrepreneurs, and um, you know, uh, the other locations becoming more attractive. But generally, it, it's undeniable that Silicon Valley is still very much the capital for this. This uh, basically does not give the, the, the venture capitalists that we talk to a great deal of interest in um, basically looking elsewhere. I mean, there are obviously those firms like high funded startups, which we co-invest with, that have a very strong global focus. But generally, um, they are very happy to have a co-investment opportunity with a firm like Seven Gates that has basically vetted through um, startups that are outside their, their geographic location and have reached a growth stage, some, some traction, some market validation, 
of clearly an MVP that um, that is working and uh, and uh, uh, basically have the part first part of the due diligence done by us, which um, which is you know on the ground here and dealing with the investors with the uh, entrepreneurs. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, let's talk about stage. Um, you're investing a relatively small fund. At what stage do you get involved, and what level of validation are you looking for in your in the investments? Uh, we like to be generally the first check in the company uh, quite early. Um, although I should put in parentheses that we have done some opportunistic investments alongside um, other VC firms in the valley. Uh, at later stages, even series A stages for with check sizes of 200 to 500k, uh, but those are anomalies. Generally, what we like to do is um, go in very early. Um, uh, it, it's not a requirement for us that there is a mark, great deal of market traction already, but we help those founders that we identify uh, build that build that traction and build those KPIs. As I was mentioning, uh, you know, our office here in Vancouver. Um, has a few of our uh, portfolio companies located in it. We have uh, a co-working space that helps us keep a tap, keep some taps on them, uh, have weekly strategy sessions, help them with legal and bookkeeping matters, and um, uh, basically uh, oversee their growth and helping them um, reach the uh, reach the milestone that they want to reach. So when it comes to stage, we're we're you know early stage. Um, check our check sizes. Have ranged from 100k to, like I said, 500k, uh, depending on the uh, stakeholders that we'd like to see you know, have in the company. But you know, which we we like to see um, a, a stake in the range of 10 to 15 percent uh, in the early stage. So, would it be fair to say that you are um, comfortable with pre-seed investment? Absolutely. Yes. Good. Uh, Very good. Over 50% of those those firms that we've gone in are pre-seed, and um, so far, thankfully, a significant portion—I would say almost 90% of them—have gone on to raise uh, Series A, and we have invested alongside them as they grow. Excellent. Okay, um, talk about the types of companies do you like to invest in: B2B, B2C, hybrid. Where, what, what's your comfort zone? You know, we uh, we've talked about this a lot between ourselves, and you know, we, there is a, um, a difference of opinion in the industry whether you should be, you know, say sector specific or have a more generalist approach. But we honestly find uh, the zone that we're comfortable with is industry agnostic. We're comfortable with identifying the the founders that are exceptional. So our investments in the portfolio that we have, um, in terms of sector, range from B two B. B2B2C, we have a myriad of health tech investments um, that are really exciting. We have marketplaces. Uh, we've invested in um, some cloud services, uh, even delivery services. So in terms of um, sector, we're pretty agnostic, but what we like to focus on is the founder, is that exceptional uh, founder that is um, somewhat coachable and um, amenable to our, um, uh, our interactions with them. And also, create is able to create a strong moat around the uh, the uh, startup that they're building, um, making it making it competitive uh, in the long term. Okay. 
Um, talk about some of the companies that you have invested in, and, and in particular, as you uh, take us through some of these case studies, help us uh, understand at what point did they these companies come to you, how did they get to you, and what was going on in those companies that captured your attention and, and led you to invest? And, and let's start with the three that you you said that you've exited already. So let's let's start there and take all three of those and and do kind of a mini case study on each. Sure, um, glad to. So um, one of the companies that um, that has a very interesting background um, basically started. The founder was uh, working at Seven Gates as um, as an analyst or an associate, and you know she. She showed a great deal of interest, a great deal of curiosity. Uh, but at the same time, we noticed that she was very passionate about veganism and animal cruelty, fighting animal cruelty, and um, di uh, and sustainability when it comes to consumption. And you know, whenever every opportunity she would get, she was spending time uh, promoting uh, this this mantra, creating content for her website and her social media feeds, and um, uh, Finding out fantastic recipes for vegan food, and you know, there, it was obvious that this was her passion, and um, she was very able to manage her time uh, between these two tasks that she was doing for Seven Gate and her her pet project. Um, so we uh, we decided to basically uh, take a shot at this um, at this first time founder, really, uh, which had no experience in creating a media platform. And um, made a made a small investment uh, with a promise to increase the investment if her engagement on on her various different social media platforms increased. Um, you know, uh, she she was very happy to do so. And six months later, we doubled down on our investment. And um, uh, now, as we speak, she has been acquired by a Los Angeles-based media company, uh, and her social media following has exceeded one million. Um, viewers and subscribers. Um, her company is called Live Kindly, uh, which has become, she's been dubbed the queen of veganism. And um, you know, this is one of those cases where the founder's passion and uh, and eagerness and work ethic really inspired us to to back her, um, which we are happy to do and and follow her. Can project. you talk a bit um, about how much capital went into this company and and how much uh, did the company get acquired for? So uh, this, uh, since the time frame of this uh, acquisition was, was rather short, I mean, it was a year. Uh, we, we, uh, our, our check, um, first check in was 50k, and uh, with another 50k, uh, and this was acquired by, by uh, basically for 3x, um, which resulted in a 3x return for us. Terrific. Okay, let's do the next one. Mm -hmm. uh, another company that has a very interesting background um, is called Spocket. Spocket is a um, <clears throat> um, uh, one of the top three um, service providers on the Shopify platform. They help e-commerce um, retailers that have, that are creating their e-commerce site acquire products to sell and help them find the right product. Based on their uh, desires and based on their location, uh, with uh, with millions of products in their pipeline. The background is what makes it interesting for us. Is um, uh, the founder uh, um, is of Iranian descent, 
uh, he was attending medical school uh, at pre-med uh, when he when he started learning about drop shipping and started to dabble in that while at med school. Um, a few a few months later, he created uh, basically the first version of Rocket, which we <clears throat> which we were tracking and he came to us due to um, due to the network that we have in, in the Vancouver area. He heard about Seven Gates. Um, uh, he was introduced to the TechStars team at Seattle and was invited to attend a TechStars program uh, with his company, Squawket. But due to the travel ban, he was not given the visa uh, to attend this uh, three-month program at, um, at TechStars. Um, you know, it was uh, a stressful period. Obviously, the company was growing, and so he had to watch as his teammates uh, flew to Seattle and started working there, and he basically had to join whatever conferences and, and all the uh, all the meetings there via tele teleconference and Skype uh, video chat, um, which which is stressful, obviously, when your when your team is um, is being basically courted by by the tech stars team and all the investors there, and they successfully came out of that course program. Uh, with it, within the tech stars itself, uh, investor in the company. Uh, this uh, Spocket is not an exit example, actually. I'm just telling you the uh, the backstory behind the, the founder as they are, um, as you know, as an example of how how the travel ban has, has affected um, this particular founder and how we've we've been able to uh, identify him and and help them and support support him in raising funds. So. After that, he's now he's at a stage where uh, he's thinking of raising um, as the next round for uh, around five million dollar raise with a valuation of uh, between um, twenty and twenty five million dollars. This is in the span of a year and a half. So you know he's doing um, MRRs of uh, between sixty and seventy five k as of uh, this week uh, after the board meetings we've had. So they're growing extremely rapidly. Uh, with a great deal of interest um, from DC that he's worked with um, when he ever decides to raise that round. So, um, you know, this is an example of a, of a founder who uh, <clears throat> who's proven to be extremely successful at, at a fast growth. He's a growth hacking genius um, while he was not allowed to even travel to, to, to the Techstars program in Seattle that he was invited to. Um, super excited about that. Um, and I'll be happy to talk to you about one of the other examples we've had of a successful exit, if you'd like. Sure. Go ahead. Let's do one more example, and then we'll switch. Sure. Um, uh, an example of a very successful uh, Vancouver-based startup, which, I'm, which everybody has heard about, is Hootsuite. Um, Hootsuite has a accelerator program here in Vancouver, which is called The Next Big Thing. Uh, through that network, we met with um, a founder <coughs> here in Vancouver that started a company called ShareShed, which was a marketplace for sharing outdoors equipment such as tents and, and uh, um, uh, kayaks and paddles and um, all sorts of outdoor equipment um, to, to be shared among those enthusiasts. Um, that company was acquired by uh, a larger company uh, uh, which was in the travel, travel uh, booking and more specifically vacation booking. Uh, services and you know in in, in a span of uh, a year and a half uh, that acquisition was taking place and we were uh, one of the first monies into ShareShed and we were very happy to see this tenacious founder um, uh, work his way into uh, into this acquisition. 
Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you something uh, a bit more of a kind of broad trend and how we, how are you playing to that trend. And I think based on what you've told me, I'm kind of drawing the conclusion that you are not chasing unicorns but are looking at some of the niche opportunities as well. It's, I mean, you're necessarily okay. not chasing a unicorn. You, I mean, if you yeah. find a unicorn, you're going to invest in it, but you're not necessarily sure. chasing a unicorn. Is that an accurate observation? Absolutely. I think and I, I see that uh, is, is part of in, in the conversation that you're, you're, you're focusing on as well from the literature I've read on your end too. But yes, that's absolutely right. I think, you know, uh, given the, uh, <clears throat> uh, this is a very broad topic, but, you know, uh, there's talk that in really true innovation, market-changing innovations might be very, very difficult to come by given the dominance of, you know, the big four, the big five, or however you want to define them. And while this may be true or may not be true, is, is, is yet to be seen. But we feel, as, in, as investors, uh, when, you, when you need to return, uh, uh, show returns, uh, there are opportunities where, you know, going in early and, um, and uh, seeing returns, the returns, they don't really necessarily do not need to be 100x or 1,000x returns, but being happy with returns of, you know, 5x, 10x, and maintaining that investment um, in, in, in more and more um, uh, companies uh, allows us to be sustainable. And we've done that um, with, uh, with uh, three of our companies. You know, these are, while large acquisitions might be more um, fewer and further in between, I think in the, um, the sub-10, $15 million range, there's a lot of activity. And, um, you know, we, we are happy to be uh, helping those companies reach where a growth stage where those acquisitions take place. And what, um, if you were to, you know, give an overview of the Canadian uh, investment philosophy, what's happening? How are people thinking about this unicorns versus non-unicorns versus niches, this whole discussion that we just had? How is uh, How are the Canadian investors in general thinking about this? Uh, you know, um, I've written about this uh, when it comes to the differences between um, the, the, the startup ecosystem and the value because I spend basically, you know, my half of my time here, half of my time um, down there in, 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 in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, when it comes to um, talent, you know, there's really no shortage of talent in, in, in Canada. Uh, you know, there are very strong uh, education systems with an extremely strong technical focus. Um, like you mentioned yourself, uh, there's a great pool of uh, immigrant talent moving to Canada, uh, which, is, which is growing constantly. Uh, you know, these, these new uh, immigrants and these new graduates generally have a very strong entrepreneurial spirit and want to uh, create something um, something that, that lasts and something that um, is beyond uh, just um, being, being another cog in a wheel, basically. What's, uh, what, are the ch what the challenges are in the Canadian ecosystem are um, the mentality of venture investing. I mean, Canadian, uh, the Canadian economy has generally been quite dependent on, uh, on commodities as a, as a strong uh, source of capital. And uh, you know, in Vancouver, uh, in commodities and real estate still 
plays major and significant part in the, of the economy. Um, that being said, we still see um, a growing growth of um, angel investing activities and you know, seed and pre-seed stage investing uh, that allows uh, uh, you know the number of companies that are being founded here to to grow, and there are more and more sort of taking shape every day. What uh, what the challenges are are the um, basically the um, uh, Series A crunch uh, that we see. Um, yeah. More so in Vancouver than in Toronto, um, and that uh, that uh, is where we thought uh, our strength would lie. Is that um, you know we have uh, strong uh, connections with the Silicon Valley uh, venture capitalists. Um, we've done co-investments with many of them, and uh, um, you know we find that there is great value to be had to take advantage of those lower valuations at the early stage and help, helping them grow to a stage where um, uh, the series A round in the value would make sense for them and helping them raise that way. Because like you said, you know, uh, so, so many of those VCs in the value really do not have the bandwidth to look everywhere. Um, and uh, you know, when, when another firm has done the due diligence and has shown the track record, um, they're happy to take a very close look at it. And that's where we come in. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, do you have anything that you would like to add to as messages to the entrepreneurs who are looking at you as potential uh, investor partner? You know, we, we receive, uh, I would say I have around between 30 and 50 emails a day uh, in terms of cold calls. I think reaching out uh, to, to an investor um, uh, is, 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 a, is a great way to do it. I mean, not everybody has the uh, luxury of uh, warm intros, but cold calling is great. One, one thing that is a pet peeve of ours, and we talk about it amongst ourselves a lot, is you know, pitches that are five pages long on an email that are, you know, uh, I really discourage founders to, to send a, a pitch that contains their life story. You know, we need to um, we need to be very concise. We need to attract the attention of of an investor in the first paragraph. And you know, this can be done by very clearly stating what problem you're solving, how you're solving it, and why it is you and only you that makes that um, uh, that issue or that or solving that problem uh, possible. So you know, we, I could I'd be happy to share some of the very concise pitches that we've we've gotten and. You know, allowing to allow being able to write a concise pitch in an in an email for this. Well, this is uh, not going to be a huge problem in the one million by one million community because, uh, you know, first and foremost, we go over everything with people and and help them coach them for months, uh, sometimes years before we send them to investors. And uh, you will always have people from here. You will always have people introduced through us. And, and they will be very concise pitches. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and so you know very well what I'm talking about. I know very well what you're talking about, yes, yes. absolutely. Terrific. Well, we look forward to uh, doing some work together with you. And uh, I, thank you for sharing your vision and your uh, activities. And audience, thank you for listening. Thank you. As you know, um, those, who've, those of you who are listening, you can always bring your uh, businesses for a 
strategy session at one of our free public roundtables. The schedule, registration links, everything is on the website, 1mby1m.com. And uh, we look forward to working on, with you on those. Those are working sessions, so uh, you, know, you don't need to feel nervous or uncomfortable or anything, defensive. We are here to help you, and uh, we'll be back soon with another edition of the 1M by 1M podcast. Thank you. Bye.